So Dr. Sanusi, we're just so grateful for you coming to our podcast. In our podcast, we look for experts in the field because there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. Everybody has something to say, but we look for experts in the field that have gone through the training and they have the experience, the expertise and the knowledge to say what they say. So please, Dr. Sanusi, can you tell us a little bit about your background, your training? Thank you, Dr. Bola. So I want everybody to know that you, are, you have been my friend since high school. <laughs> we were in the same physics, chemistry, biology class in ISI 1983. From there, we went into medical school and we did six years of medical school. Finished, I finished from University of Lagos, College of Medicine, University of Lagos in 1990. After finishing medical school. I did my house job. Didn't, didn't do youth school until later. And then we all came to America. And I did my residency training in New York University and in Loma Linda University Children's Hospital. I finished and became a pediatrician board certified in 1997. And I did a year of chief residency training and teaching medical students up to 1998. Now, after that, I, I was in private practice and then we went to Nigeria. I worked in National Hospital in Abuja for two years and came back and worked in New Jersey for a couple of years, moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and started working with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. I've been with them now for 12 years. In the meantime, while I was at Children's Hospital of Atlanta, I went to Nigeria and started a practice there. And that practice is called Pediatric Partners hospital. It's in Victoria Island in Lagos. And I've um, been back and forth between Lagos and Atlanta. And um, this is the story of my life. <laughs> wow. And wow. It's been a very, I love pediatrics. Oh, the other thing is um, I did do six months of neonatal intensive care at the University of um, New Mexico in Albuquerque. So I did that. And um, I loved it, but I found out I loved urgent care more. So I'm actually an urgent care physician now with um, uh, fellows of the Society of Pediatric Urgent Care. So I'm a general practitioner, but I'm also an urgent care specialist. And that's what I do now. But I love every part of pediatrics. And it's an honor to be a pediatrician. Just like you guys, I know you enjoy your work and you're an inspiration to me too, Dr. Bola. But um, yeah, this is what we do and we love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you yeah. so very much, Dr. Yeah. Sanderson. Thank you. You know, when should you add your newborn baby to your insurance policy? When do you think? Well, as soon as you get, every insurance policy is different, but as soon as you deliver the baby, it's good to notify the insurance because processing can take uh, a while. Depending on which insurance you have, it's always a good idea that the, they're notified so that they can start planning for your insurance to kick in, for the baby's insurance to kick in. When babies are born, they're usually, they're, they're usually on the insurance as baby girl or baby boy. And then once the insurance now puts the baby in their they are covered usually under the mom's insurance. Well, I don't want to speak in too much detail because every insurance is different. 
whichever insurance a mom has, they need to find out what the procedure is for their particular insurance. So that way the baby can start getting the care that is needed and getting that care paid for. Because if you have a baby, it doesn't mean you should start paying out of pocket. The baby qualifies under your insurance immediately. They are born. And then if they are in the NICU, you definitely want the insurance to know so that you don't have any of those NICU bills because those bills run into the thousands on a daily basis. And it's good for the insurance to know that so that they can start taking care of that bill ASAP. Wow, thank you. Yeah, we just want to say that, um, you know, for people to contact their employer's human resources department or your insurance plan as soon as possible, just to know when their babies can be added. And just talking about that first pediatrician visit, I know in a birth center setting, we have our moms and their babies see the pediatricians within you know, 24 hours, 24 hours of discharge from us, you know. So, you know, we have been talking to Dr. Ekwase Sanusi. Dr. Sanusi has been a pediatrician for more than three decades. So she comes with a wealth of knowledge and experience in what she's talking about. Dr. Sanusi, in immediate newborn care, what is this skin to skin concept. What is it all about? And um, what, what are some of the benefits that this could afford a baby and the mom? Uh, now, the skin to skin, they found out that when babies are skin to skin with mom, that the bonding is better. The babies are less anxious and moms are also calm. And when they breastfeed, the milk letdown reflex is actually is much easier it comes in much quicker than without the skin to skin. Now, when I was in training in the 90s, um, the skin to skin was not a big deal. But when I went back for, to the, for the NICU training, that skin to skin is like, as soon as the baby's born, put the baby on the mom's breast right away and make sure the baby's not wearing anything. Mom is not wearing anything um, on the top so that the baby can start stimulating the milk letdown and can start learning how to breastfeed. And it's a big push now with the skin to skin. And it's just something that helps with the general well-being of both mom and baby. And it just helps everybody because once mommy is happy, baby is happy, everybody's happy. So it's definitely something that is recommended. And with all the studies that have been done, it's something is there's a push for that because it's so important. Oh, wow. And, you know, what if after a C-section and you can't, or oh, the baby is not, you know, we have to resuscitate the baby quickly and the mom can't do the skin to skin. You, you tell them not to worry. Eventually it will happen. Absolutely. What can you do? Because the, the mom's, if the mom has a big, big cut on her abdomen and she's extremely uncomfortable, then it, skin to skin is not something that just happens in one or two or three weeks. It's something that you want moms to do for as long as the baby is uh, breastfeeding and you want it to continue beyond the neonatal period. So definitely you just uh, have to wing it and do what, what can be done under the circumstances and just make the best of it. Wow. And then, you know, as a parent, when should you be worried that your baby may not be developing well, or maybe you think there might be something going on congenitally? What, what would make you be worried as a mom? Well, I, I want to defer back to you guys because I know you do the 20-week ultrasound before the baby's um, halfway through the pregnancy. And there's also the amniocentesis that you do and the coronic villi sampling that, that you do to check for all these things. As best as we can. 
And it's good to also note that, that there's limitations in how much you can test for. Now, the reason why we recommend um, physicals, especially in the first two weeks of life, at one month, two months, six months, two months, four months, six months, nine months, one year, is because when you go for a physical, the pediatrician checks for any developmental abnormality. So I'll give you an example. Most babies should be smiling at six to eight weeks. So if I'm seeing a baby that um, is not smiling or is not tracking properly at six to eight weeks, that's a problem. So every time you go to the pediatrician, they are looking at the norm for your for the baby's age. So if at two months the baby is supposed to be smiling and they're not, or they're supposed to be tracking and they're not, we're concerned about vision. If by four, four months the baby is not grabbing things and putting it in their mouth, we're looking at why. Why is the baby not doing that? So that those pediatrician visits are very important because in the first month, second month, third month, fourth month, the baby is supposed to be attaining developmental milestones. And if they are not getting to those developmental milestones, here in the US, there's something called babies can't wait. We tend to refer babies to babies can't wait, ASAP, where you have developmental specialists. It's a team that takes care of the baby when there's a developmental problem. You also get occupational therapists involved. If that baby is having problems with walking or is tiptoeing, when they start walking, that could be a, a form of a cerebral palsy. So we need to get them into baby's can wait quickly. Also, if the baby doesn't have good eye contact, we're talking about autism, autism, or it's been diagnosed at two years, you can actually pick up a baby who has autism. Sometimes you hear their cry and it's like, that baby. sometimes I don't see the baby and I'm just hearing them from the waiting room. When I hear their cry, I say, oh boy, that's a baby with autism. So sometimes you can pick up these things just because you've seen it so much. And that's why it's important for, ch for children to have their developmental, to have their wellness checks at the intervals that have been recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics. Because once you get your wellness check from birth, the, we do uh, um, hearing tests. If that baby fails their hearing screen, a lot of deafness is picked up by just those hearing screens before discharge. That's extremely important. If they feel their newborn hearing screen, they need to repeat it. There's different types of uh, hearing screen. You have your bear, you have your ABR. There's all kinds of testing. But if that baby has failed the hearing screen at, in the newborn clinic and fails it again when they do a follow-up uh, hearing screen, the intervals vary. It could be follow-up in one week or in a month. If they hear, fail their hearing screen, they need to go to ENT, who will now check them and make sure at the end of the day, when they see an audiologist, if those babies are deaf, they can get hearing needs and they can also get cochlear implants with time. But if it's not checked, you will not know. And it's only when the baby is not talking at one year or uh, at two years, they're not saying two word sentences. At three years, their vocabulary is limited. That's, oh, why isn't this baby talking? Because if, if a baby cannot hear, they cannot speak. You can't give what you don't have. So most times it's important for the babies to be evaluated by the pediatrician. And when we bring out all our developmental milestones, for instance, the baby is nine months old, they're not doing what they should have been doing at six months. That's a red flag. And we have to take care of that baby as soon as possible to send them to the therapist that they need and to also send them to the developmental specialist so that they can get the care that they need 
and so they don't fall through the cracks and end up being uh, developmentally delayed just because it wasn't picked up on time. Wow, thank you so much. So as we close, Dr. Sanusi, um, we always want to talk about women in low-resource settings or low-resource situations and, you know, just having support groups around mothers, new mothers and mothers that have been mothers before. What can you just advise us in, you know, where mothers can find support groups for their babies and what women in low-resource situations can do just to ensure that, you know, their baby, have, you know, have food and clothing and baby furniture as we close? Okay, so um, we're, I, I'll talk about Nigeria because I'm familiar with that. Now, I know that in Nigeria, there's a lot of um, areas where you have your healthcare workers that are supposed to be taking care of different communities. So the healthcare workers show up in the clinics, in the maternal uh, and child healthcare clinics set up by the government. And they're actually very good in educating moms and talking to them about where to get different resources. But there's another resource that is extremely important, the houses of faith. In the churches, churches are now taking it as a responsibility to educate moms on their health, on their baby's health, on resources, where they can find resources, and the other thing is your phone. If you go on the online, you have a lot of moms groups, different moms groups that will tell you, a mom will ask a question, my baby has a fever, where do I go? And then you have like 10 different answers. Oh, go to the clinic down the road. They can take, or go to the general hospital. There's a doctor there that took care of my baby when I had the same thing. So the internet is now playing a big deal. And that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. It's playing a big role in educating people. And they can actually Google, I'm in Ikotao, I'm in Ikotu, I'm in Festac in Lagos. What are the doctors in this area? And it comes up. So everybody has a phone. Most people have access to the internet. They can get information. And I think that if your baby is not doing well or you're worried about your baby, it's always better to go to a nearby doctor's, like a hospital, Preferably a government hospital, because I think they have more resources than a clinic where the doctor might not even be a pediatrician. Most government hospitals, they know where the pediatricians are. And now they are, there's a drive to have pediatricians in most of the hospitals that are government funded all over the country in Nigeria. So I think it doesn't hurt to go to the hospitals where, preferably the university hospitals, because you will get the care that you need, especially for your baby. And if your baby has developmental delay, needs physical therapy, all those people are in the university hospitals. And there's a lot of um, information that you can get just by visiting the university hospital that might be a little bit further than the private clinic that is down the road, but at least you'll get the care that you need. Wow. Dr. Ekwase Sanusi, we want to thank you so much for your time, for the education that you've just imparted to us about newborns, newborn care, issues with newborns. You know, we're just so very grateful to you and thank you so very much for coming to Coco Pods podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Bala.